You are listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Hello, this is Dr. Penny Chris Etherton, President of the National Lipid Association. You are listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Hello, this is Dr. Penny Chris Etherton, President of the National Lipid Association. I'd like to welcome you to Lipid Luminations, hosted by Dr. Alan Brown and presented by the National Lipid Association. Hi, this is Dr. Alan Brown, host of Lipid Luminations. Today, our topic on Lipid Luminations is chronic kidney disease, and our guest is Dr. George Backris, professor of medicine and director of the Hypertensive Disease Unit at the Department of Medicine at the University of Chicago Pritzker School of Medicine. George, as always, it's a pleasure to talk with you. Thanks for doing the interview. Alan, thank you. It's my pleasure. Well, you have the double hat. You have obviously been a guru in hypertension for years, and now we're delving into kidney disease, which is just an extension of your hypertensive expertise. And on top of that, you're becoming a lipid geek. I'm so proud to have you as part of the the club of lipocrites. So with that said, let's start by talking about the hypertensive patient and what do you think the incremental value of lipid management in your patient with hypertension would be? There's no question that lipid management in the hypertension patient is critically important. And in fact, if you look at hypertension management versus lipid management, at least from the perspective of myocardial infarction, you're going to get a lot more mileage in lowering lipids than you are lowering blood pressure in that patient. Not that one is more important than the other, but the stroke benefit and the kidney benefit from lowering lipids is there, but it's not as profound as blood pressure. In the heart, the blood pressure lowering is there, but not as profound as lipid lowering. And so they really work hand in hand, but I think it's very important to understand that the risk reduction from lipid management in hypertensive patients is very important, cannot be underestimated, and especially if you want to prevent MIs, is of paramount importance. Yeah, so it's interesting that you don't quite see the linear reduction in cardiovascular events with linear lowering of blood pressure that you do with, with say, LDL lowering. Right. It's been one of those frustrating things over the years. Do you think that's true also in stroke? Well, I think the data that is out there in terms of stroke risk reduction is a beautiful, no matter what study you look at, linear reduction with stroke risk and blood pressure. The data that I've seen with lipids, and admittedly there's not a lot, it's mostly post hoc analysis, seems to be more curvilinear, kind of like what blood pressure is to MI. So there is definitely an important risk reduction. It's definitely noted with levels going down. But once you get down to levels around 80, it kind of flattens out and there doesn't seem to be additional benefit there. You're talking about for LDL cholesterol. Correct. I'm sorry. Yes, for LDL cholesterol. Yeah, it's, it's much less of a direct relationship with lipids and stroke reduction, even though we know the statins do it, you know, than it is for blood pressure reduction. Right. Well, let's take the leap into patients with chronic kidney disease. And I'd like to start with asking you about the most severe patients, only because they were the ones that seemed to be the first participants in studies. In other words, patients on dialysis with end-stage right, kidney right. disease. And we have seemingly some very informative studies in these patients. There are two large outcome studies, the 4D, which was exclusively in diabetic patients on dialysis, and that was type 2 diabetes. And then there's the Aurora trial, which was a dialysis population, and it was mixed bag, diabetes and non-diabetes. 
one randomized placebo to atorvastatin, that was the 4D, and then the Aurora trial was rosuvastatin versus placebo. And looking at cardiovascular outcomes, and the cardiovascular outcomes that were selected in both these trials were very reminiscent of what you would see in the typical cardiovascular outcome trial for the general population. And the results of both the trials were negative in the sense that they did not show a risk reduction, a significant risk reduction, with the use of either statin on cardiovascular events in this group. However, the caveat is that the cardiovascular events in dialysis patients differ from the general population. Specifically, myocardial infarction prevalence is nowhere near as high as it is in the general population. On the other hand, sudden death and heart failure are much higher in that group and account for many more deaths than MI does. Likewise, non-hemorrhagic stroke is a major cause of death in the dialysis patients, whereas it's a, more of a homogeneous mixture in the general population. When you do the analysis of both those trials by looking at what ostensibly were the secondary endpoints, or you look at the components of the primary endpoints and look at teasing out sudden death, MI, and those kinds of things, non-hemorrhagic stroke, it turns out that those studies would have been positive if they were, in fact, looking at those events. So it left people with a conundrum, and by the way, it took, on average, about two to three years to actually figure that out. It wasn't inherently obvious when those studies came out, and most nephrologists were of the opinion that statins don't work in dialysis patients. There's no reason to give them, and so it's off the table. More recent studies have reexamined this, both in terms of meta-analysis and in terms of some outcome data, and the results, in fact, are quite different. So I think when the trials are the trials, they did show lack of benefit, but again, the reason for the lack of benefit was that the events selected to drive the outcomes were not events that are typically seen in dialysis patients. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Lipid Luminations on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Alan Brown, and joining me to discuss chronic kidney disease and lipid management in those patients is Dr. George Backris, Professor of Medicine and Director of the Hypertensive Diseases Unit in the Department of Medicine at the University of Chicago Pritzker School of Medicine. So, George, you know, continuing on that topic... The standard line is, well, people on dialysis are so sick, they have such a high short-term mortality, it's hard to show benefit with much intervention. But we've got a newer study that looks at people with multiple stages of kidney disease from stage 2 on through chronic renal failure on dialysis, the SHARP trial. And I wonder if you wouldn't mind commenting on those results and what we learned from that study. Right. Well, the SHARP trial is really a tour de force in terms of lipid-lowering therapy in people with various stages of chronic kidney disease. And uh, I was privileged enough to be involved with the original development of the trial. It's a very large trial that was run out of Oxford in the U.K., and it recruited over almost 9,500 people with stages 3, 4, 5 kidney disease and a cohort that was about a third of the total cohort on dialysis. And the primary endpoint was to look at cardiovascular risk, but the cardiovascular components of 
the cardiovascular events were a little different than the Aurora and the 4D. They specifically were looking at sudden death. They were looking at non-hemorrhagic stroke. They were looking at heart failure. And, of course, they were looking at all-cause mortality. And when you look at the results of this trial, this was a trial that randomized simvastatin with azetamide. And because this was chronic kidney disease, the dose of simvastatin that was chosen was 20 milligrams. The dose of azetamide was 10 milligrams. And that was largely because of adverse events that occur in a dose-related fashion in people with CKD. And at the time, this was not well appreciated when the trial was being designed, but the FDA now has issued black box warnings with high-dose simvastatin in people with kidney disease. So it's, it's very much out there that you definitely need to lower the doses of statins, or at least certain statins, in people with CKD. So it was basically placebo versus low-dose simvastatin combined with azetamide, followed out for an average of 4.9 years looking at these cardiovascular events. And they asked a lot, number of secondary questions as well. Does statin treatment lower progression or slow progression of kidney disease in non-dialysis patients? That was another question that was asked. And is there a risk of cancer? Because there were some issues with azetamide and cancer. And so the results of this trial were actually revolutionary because it showed very clearly, number one, that treating advanced stage kidney disease, that is stages three, four, and five, that's a range of GFR, by the way, of 15 to 60, that there was a very clear benefit of about a 15.3% reduction in risk for a cardiovascular event or death in people with that stage of kidney disease if they received therapy with azetamide and low-dose simvastatin combined. Now, the adherence of the study was only about 74%. So it's projected that if everybody had taken the drug the way they were supposed to be taking it over that span, you would have reduced events by over 25%. So it's very clear that there is a benefit on cardiovascular risk reduction in this advanced stage nephropathy group. But what about the dialysis patients? Again, the study was not powered for dialysis patients, but it was had enough power to actually look at trends. And if you look at the trends, there was a trend towards a benefit. It wasn't statistically significant as a standalone, but there was a trend towards a benefit in slowing progression, uh, slowing cardiovascular events in people on dialysis. And statistically, if you take it together with the overall trial results, it's compatible with the notion that there is a benefit in dialysis patients, albeit not as dramatic as what you would see in the general CKD population. What about cancer? Zero. There was no evidence of cancer anywhere. What about slowing progression of kidney disease? Well, it turns out they looked at both diabetic and non-diabetics, and there was no evidence of significant slowing of kidney disease. And actually, from a theoretical standpoint, there shouldn't really be a good rationale for slowing progression of kidney disease, and it wasn't seen in the trial. So if you put the SHARP trial in the context of all the other meta-analyses that have been done, all the other trials that have been done, you walk away with the notion that if you have chronic kidney disease, advanced kidney disease, that is stages 3, 4, and 5, and you have a lipid problem, you absolutely need to be aggressive in treating it. The mean LDL in the SHARP trial was 71. 
milligrams per deciliter that was achieved, and you will get a cardiovascular benefit by doing that using low-dose simvastatin with azetamide. Now, does that mean that's the only thing you can use? Well, of course not. If you choose to use another statin and you can get the LDL to that range, theoretically you should have the same benefit. Let's talk about that for a second. So this was one of the first outcome trials compared to placebo, obviously, with simvastatin and azetamide combination. And if you considered the people who were not taking the medicine and accounted for that, you had about the same percent reduction in events as you would have expected from that degree of LDL lowering. Is that correct? Correct. So making you know an argument that, as many of us have thought, that it's probably not as big an issue how you lower LDL cholesterol, but that lowering LDL cholesterol is the goal, and in a sense, a little bit of a reprieve for azetamide statin combination therapy. You know, the way this trial was conducted, it was conducted at a time when the focus was on side effects of statins, predominantly the muscle pains and myopathies and what have you, and there was already evidence that high-dose statins in people with advanced CKD didn't do well, and that includes resuvastatin and it includes simvastatin. And so the notion was that if we could use something that works by a different mechanism that is not associated with myopathy or muscle pain because it didn't affect hmg coy reductase, then we could actually get an additive or even synergistic effect on lipid lowering, still get the benefits without the side effects. And frankly, if you look at the side effects in the SHARP trial, they were incredibly low. There were still people complaining of some muscle aches and pains. But if you compare it to the overall prevalence in the population, it was generally lower. And so I think that's the balancing act you have to do in doing this. And I'm certainly not a huge proponent of that combination. I use other statins in lower doses to get where I need to be. You know, one of the things that is unappreciated, hasn't been tested in this group, but is certainly reported in the literature, is fish oil. Using three to four grams of fish oil a day has been shown to reduce sudden death. And since sudden death is very prevalent in people with advanced nephropathy, that may be a nice adjunct to statins. Hasn't been tested, but something to think about. Well, I'd like to thank my guest, Dr. George Bacris, Professor of Medicine and Director of the Hypertensive Diseases Unit at the Department of Medicine at the University of Chicago, Pritzker School of Medicine. George, thank you very much for your insights on patients with the whole spectrum of kidney disease as well as the hypertensive patient with dyslipidemia, and thanks for being on well, the Alan, show. thank you very much. It was a pleasure to be here. Thank you for listening to Lipid Luminations, presented by the National Lipid Association. For more information, visit www.lipid.org.